Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome to another edition of the Breakfast Show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Today is Wednesday, the 28th of June 2023, and we're going to be talking about some uh, some interesting uh, some interesting topics this uh, this morning. Um, firstly, we're going to be going. Uh, of, of course, we're going to be talking about what's happening in the news, and after that, we're going to be getting into our main segments around uh, around about eight thirty. We'll be talking about increased use of uh, artificial intelligence while working reveals disturbing health trends. Um, it's important because studies have actually revealed that people who work with artificial intelligence are actually more likely to experience loneliness, binge drinking, and also insomnia uh, than colleagues who work alongside humans. It's interesting. Um, it's, it is actually interesting as well how much artificial intelligence, AI, you know, is, is sort of taking over a lot of people's jobs, is taking um, quite a drastic stand, actually. When it comes to when it comes to people's uh, livelihoods, as well, how much people are actually using this, how much this is becoming the norm, um, how much is it sort of, or how much have you experienced artificial intelligence in terms of uh, if you you know if you're a student, has it affected you in any way? If you're working, where do you work, and how much has it affected you uh, as well? Um, and this is actually followed by the the fact that. You know, the release of Chat GPT last year opened the, the the footgates to the AI artificial intelligence. As people across the globe rushed to use the the chat box, you know, it's, it can it can Chat GPT and other sort of outlets, artificial intelligence intelligence uh, sort of uh, search engines, they can mimic human conversations. And while some industries actually you know, try to actually incorporate the technology into day-to-day tasks as well. So what are the pros of this? What are the cons of this? But I want to hear your um, sort of thoughts as well. 208 Push the numbers and I promise you, you will get through as well. Um, what can we expect from science then? This, you know, through that, you know, this year, I mean, we're in June right now. So the latter part of the year, what have we experienced science in this year? What can we expect to experience um, from science this year as well? And obviously, you know, how tr- the trajectory for that in, in, in the next coming years as well, maybe the next five years, the next 10 years, the next decade, what are we going to, what are we actually going to experience as well? Because, um, you know, f- from exciting space missions to, to, to the place where nuclear waste goes to die, these will be some of Europe's, Europe's most fascinating science stories of uh, 2023 this year as well. So it is interesting. The European Space Agency, the the ESA, is planning to launch the 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 space telescope for the purpose of exploring the evolution of the universe as well. So that's something that we're going to be. It's it's a you know the telescope will actually create a 3D map of the universe while orbiting the sun for many years. So that's that's quite interesting because the pictures that we see right now, the images that we see right now, they of course they're 2D. Um 
some you know s- sometimes we do see videos as well but you know one does question you know the, the amount of science that has progressed you know i'm not trying to say i'm not trying to defame anything i'm not trying to cut down or anything i'm not trying to say that you know it's fake but the amount of technology that that we have right now in our possession right now it would be quite easy to green screen something um and i'm not putting you know i'm not saying this is a this is a conspiracy theory as well the moon landing was false or whatever i mean we can believe whatever you want to believe but the thing is is that if we can have a 3d map if we can see real life 3d images of how space looks like how the moon actually looks like how you know different planets look like even the sun how does it look like from different um you know from from a different perspective as well um obviously you know going orbiting the sun how would that look like how would space look like all of these different things we're going to be talking about as well um like i mentioned 0208687 is the number for you to call i'm going to be waiting for your call as uh, we we go through the news he claimed to be that lost one awaited by all major fates of the world he claimed to be that krishna that hindus were waiting so long for he claimed to be that buddha about whose coming the previous buddha had prophesied he was that jesus son of mary awaited by both christians and muslims alike he said he was the great reformer predicted by guru baba nanak as well as the second coming of zoroaster He said that his mission was to bring all mankind to the realization that there is a god. He sought to bring about revolutions inside people so that they would fulfill the rights of each other as well as fulfill the rights of god. Now, just who was he? He was the messiah of mankind, Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Ghadian, and he was not a liar. 1400 years ago, the holy prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of God be upon him, claimed that the promised messiah of all faiths would appear to the east of Damascus. It is recorded in writing that around 100 years ago, this messiah, sitting in an unknown, undeveloped Indian village, which lay on the same latitude to the east of Damascus no less, received the following revelation in the Arabic language. Bala Dimash, meaning destruction in Damascus. He prophesied the first and second world wars, and he also predicted that a great war would start from here. It is no secret that the Syrian civil war is the biggest crisis of our time. A conservative estimate states that over half of a million people have been killed since the Syrian civil war started in 2011. However, the number is sure to be significantly higher. Similarly, it is estimated that 11 million Syrians have fled the country since the war began. The pre-war population has been estimated to be 22 million. With different factions on the ground, including American, Russian, and Syrian government troops, Syrian rebels, and ISIS, this has become an international arena of death. a de facto playground for world war although world war and the crisis in syria are signs of his truthfulness the promised messiah abhorred bloodshed and violence and instead claimed 
that he had come to end religious wars. He said that he loved mankind with the same love that a mother loves her child, nay, even more so. What mother would not sacrifice her own peace and well-being for the sake of her child? So, one can only imagine how much the promised Messiah loved mankind. An expression of his love are his timeless words which he desired to be a means of salvation for those he loved, that is, all of humanity. It is a fire, but all those shall be saved from that fire who love God, the doer of wonders. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to The Breakfast Show here on The Voice of Islam Radio. Um, just uh, just talking about uh, what's happening in the news as well, especially here in uh, in in the UK. There's a report on uh, on Sky News talking about um, talking about water, and uh, it talks about you know, or the title says from private from privatization to profits, how providing clean water became a murky business. Um, so that's it's quite interesting as well because. The report says that the the revelation that uh, that ministers are actually considering bringing Thames Water into temporary public ownership has reopened the fierce debate over the privatisation of the country's water industry. Now, a lot of a lot of things which uh, you know which were the which were in the public domain and then they were privatised. You know, the, the quality of that, the quality of it actually didn't remain the same. And this is uh, one of the fears of uh, of the NHS. If that you know, so it's it's a public sector. If it goes, if it gets privatized, some parts of it is already privatized. But if it does get fully privatized, like we have in uh, in other countries, then you know the, the scare the scare is definitely there that you know the the quality of that the quality of that will actually go down. Many people would argue that the quality is already in shambles if not heading towards that direction. But if we can sort of save it, fund it and give it due attendance or, you know, the, the attention that it needs, we we can actually do much better than actually privatizing it as well. Because if something gets privatized, it's for profit. Let's face it. Now, to, 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 coming back to this, the, the sudden resignation of the company's chief executive, the, the Sky's Executive report into government constituency plans for the firm's potential collapse comes amid growing calls for change following a, a string of uh, uh, contro- uh, controversies and scandals to hit the sector in recent years, talking about the Thames Water. Um, vast improvement? Now, the current system of private monopolies dates back to 1989 when uh, Conservatives Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher sold off the publicly owned water and sewage industry in England and Wales for 7.6 billion that's 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 in the 80s the late 80s 7.6 billion and she vowed that it would lead to a a, a new era of investment improve water quality and help bring bills down now her government also wrote, wrote off a debt and uh, it's, you know established off what to regulate the industry as well. Now, supporters argue that the water industry is now significantly better, while also acknowledging improvements are still needed as well. Now, Water UK, the industry body which represents firms, 
said on the 30th anniversary of privatization in 2019, back in 2019, that the situation has actually vastly improved with a fall of supply problems, pollution and leaks, thanks to nearly 160 billion worth of investment over the decades. So a lot of people would actually argue that it's actually gone better. But it's also claimed that average bills today are broadly the same as 20 years ago, once inflation is taken into account. So mm. that's also, you know, quite interesting as well. Um, but opponents say that privatization has actually led to soaring bills, mm. poor performance, and years of underinvestment, and claims that the pay of executives and shareholders has been prioritized at the expense of long-suffering customers. Now, this is this is what this is what they're actually talking about as well. Now, they also point to a national audit office study in 2015 which found that average household bills had risen 40% above inflation since 1989 when it was privatized and water firms have actually also um, accrued 54 billion pounds in Mm. debt since privatization Mm. that's 54 pounds in debt billion pounds in debt but paid out um uh, dividends to shareholders to 66 billion pounds as well according to an, a- an analysis by the Guardian newspaper last year with 20% of bills going towards service debt or paying out um, you know these uh, divisions on uh, on average as well so a lot of people are you know a lot of people are saying that uh, the it's not you know it's not the same it's not mm. the same as it was before and the quality has gone down. Not just the quality has gone down, but uh, the bill has actually gone up. So it's more expensive for for something which is not even as good. Mm. And uh, you know, the, there are, there's a, the, you know, there's some scandals as well. So that for Water UK confirmed after this year that bills would see the biggest increase in almost twenty years in eight, from April. Now, the 7.5% hike means average customers are now paying £31 more annually this year and taking the typical bill to £448. Um, So it's gone up. The industry body then made an um, uh, uh, unprecedented public apology following um, mounting fury over raw sewage being released into Britain's water. Imagine that the mm. raw sewage being, you know, being dumped into the into the reservoirs, the waters as well, and uh, you know, figures from Environment Agency revealed it was pumped into England's rivers and seas at least three hundred and one thousand ninety one times um, last year, an average of eight hundred and twenty four a day. Um, so that's quite, you know, you know, I mean, that's out there. But there was further anger when claims actually admitted, uh, when uh, well, you know when firms admitted a planned ten billion pound investment in measures to tackle the issue would be funded by a modest increase in customers' bills. Now the customer, you know, you know one of the reasons why why we you know well, why the bill has gone up is to actually fund hmm. what uh, you know is to fund their own mistakes to fix their mistakes basically. So a lot of people are actually, you know, uh, angry, hmm. angry at this. That you know what's you know what's happening, and you know, like I said in the beginning, that 
when a public when something is in public domain when it's the public sector and it gets privatized you know most of the time it's it's for profit yeah. most of the time it's you know it's it's just for the money mm. and uh, the the quality of it goes down Mm. Um, uh, you know, people. I, I wouldn't angry. say the quality of it goes down. The quality probably goes up, but only for mm. those who can afford it. Mm. Uh, yeah, no. but that's the thing, isn't it? Mm. If you, if something is a, is a, is in private, uh, when something is a, is a, is a public sector, mm. such as the NHS, anyone yeah. can go in there and, you know, uh, you know, enjoy the benefits mm. of that, um, or reap the benefits of that. But if it gets privatized, then mm. only those people who can afford it. Are going to be able to go there. A lot no. of people will not be able to afford um, to go there. Mm. That's the you know that's the that's the. It's thing. Like in you know in America, a lot of people, even if they're in you know proper need of an ambulance, they rather call an Uber because it's yeah. much cheaper. It's like five hundred plus dollars yeah. just to get an just ambulance. To, just to get an ambulance, literally. That you have to pay from unless you have healthcare. Unless yeah, which that. is which is expensive as well. It's like an expensive plan. Some like some employers do cover mm. it, but it's like very rare. It's like sort of seen as a proper bonus over there. Like you know, mm. it's like a necessity. It's a it's a normal general thing that everyone should have access to, but yeah. they're seen as a like a proper you know like a like a gem. If yeah. if 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 an employer gives you like healthcare. Uh, as part of the employment as part plan, of, as part of the yeah, if the, if you're covered, mm. if you're covered in that way, yeah. then then maybe you you yeah. are. Get, Otherwise, you are sorted, it is quite difficult to yeah. afford. It's, it's it's quite expensive. It is it is quite difficult. Um, like if you if you have like a major operation, like a like a liver transplant or something, it, mm. it's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Hundreds and thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah. that's the, yeah, that's the thing. Even uh, something which is uh, something which is you know quite easily accessible here mm. here in the UK which mm. you know we, which is a very good thing um, in America those you know those things are very very uh, much expensive yeah. and uh, you know it's just one wonders you know mm. how how is that how is that even allowed how is that even allowed um, the daily the daily telegraph um, in today's uh, front page of the newspaper has the senior doctors uh, latest walkout um, makes you know that's what actually makes it makes the front page of that, and uh, you know that they say that consult uh, consultants consultants are actually asking for a pay rise of uh, of thirty five percent, and it's uh, it's interesting as well because there was another article on Sky News that nurses strikes are actually set to end in England after the profession's large union failed to secure enough votes to carry out further action. Now, the Royal Court of Nursing, the RCN, uh, had actually planned to stage more walkouts after its members rejected a pay offer from the government last year. However, unions have actually told to hold ballots every six months to refresh this strike mandate uh, with a maximum 50% turnout. And while over 100,000 voted in favour of strikes at the time, um, only 122,000 of RCN's 300,000 members submitted a ballot paper, a turnout of just over 43%. This was this, this report actually came out yesterday as well, and uh, they revealed that the, the the that they would 
or you know the that the the, the meeting with the prime meeting the prime minister Rishi Sunak um, yesterday afternoon to actually discuss the government's NHS workforce plan said to be announced later this week and would hear him out. Let's see, let's see what happens and when they you know after they discuss mm. that and what happens. But you know it's um, you know we've seen record number of strikes happening. Um, this year, isn't it? Mm. So many. It's not just nurses. It's you know junior doctors as well. It's uh, even even at school. You know the the teachers. They they are striking as well. Um, mm. So it, it you know puts us all into a, a difficult situation as well. It's just a domino effect, isn't it? Yeah. If they if they're not doing, if they're not at you know at the at the job at the work workplace, then everyone else is affected as well. Mm. But obviously, we do sympathise with them in terms of their pay as well. Um, but you know, it puts us all into a bit of a bit of a sticky situation um, in this uh, in this regard. Hmm. Um, there is, uh, yeah. you know, um, I think a lot of our listeners may be aware of uh, the mutiny of our, of the Wagner Group in mm. Russia. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's like a private um, <coughs> military con- contractors mm. of like fifty thousand strong. Yeah. And uh, they've, uh, you know, uh, mutinied against uh, um, Russia, saying that they will support Ukraine. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, in their efforts. Um, and um, so th- another interesting thing, another interesting story that I mm. was reading was in the last few days that there's been a $6.2 billion accounting error. Hmm. Accounting error yeah. done by the US, the right. Pentagon, right. where they've sent uh, like um, Ukraine extra uh, aid, for, um, uh, extra military aid, mm. right? Uh, in um, by by accident, apparently. By and accident. Yeah. Inverted si- commas. Yeah, inverted. Six point two billion dollars yeah. accounting yeah. error, right? So and then suddenly, you know, there's um, there's like a mutiny mutiny group that's just standing mm. up um yeah i'll just leave leave what the leave it there like whatever you want to think about that yeah but um you know uh the u.s is doing uh, well to help ukraine in these times they've already donated around 75 billion dollars mm. in aid like financial humanitarian and you know um, healthcare uh aid mm. and um as well as they've promised them <coughs> Around 113 billion. 113, 113 billion in total. Mm. So they're on track. They've already donated around 75 mm. billion. And that's the, just the US. So in the UK has done yeah. a lot as well. Yeah, uh, of course. Other countries would, yeah. have, would have done as well. The European Sport countries. War is well. costing a lot. It's costing a lot. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I mean, when, the, when there's a financial crisis, right, mm. that is, you know, tend to that does lead to, yeah. does lead to a world war as well. Mm. Um, but you know, a lot of money is being spent yeah. and being sent to to Ukraine or to fund the war and mm. for defense or for humanitarian aid or whatever. Yeah. Right? But it's being used for that. The thing is, is that okay? It's, uh, I mean, if if this is a war torn country and you want to help that country get back upon its feet, mm. then yeah, I mean, funding it, helping it is you know, it, it's it's a good thing, but. The thing is, is that there's a lot of double standards. Then, hmm. I mean, what about the countries which are war torn in in other parts? Yeah, in other parts of the world, Middle Eastern countries, which these countries hmm. have actually 
<laughs> funded the war, funded the war to to, to actually be fought. Yeah, they, they they funded the the rebels. I mean, what you know, inverted commas. I mean, we you know we can read between the lines, isn't it? Hmm. They funded they funded these uh, the rebels. They funded this. They funded that. And uh, you know, then they complain that these uh, they're war-torn countries, and then they complain about those people who leave those countries, the refugees who leave those countries, mm. and they come to these, con- you know, you know, economically developed countries, and then they start complaining, oh, the why are they why are these refugees coming in? I mean, you ruined their country. That's mm. why they're coming to your country to actually live peacefully. Yeah. They've no, they've got no no other place to go. Mm. Um, but then you know, the funding for one country and not funding for the other one when you know when both of them are going through the similar sort of yeah. situation there's double standard in you know in the west which mm. is which is prevalent and uh, it's uh, you know it's not it's not nice yeah. it's not it's not nice and you know um you know in the last uh, few days um, everyone <coughs> must be aware <coughs> <coughs> of the sub, uh, submarine, right? Yeah. The submersible that went down, yeah. and you know, um, there were like a few. There were like five people on board. Four of them billionaires. You know, they lost their lives. You know, whoever they may be, our thoughts and prayers go out to their family and their loved ones. You know, may um, Allah the Almighty grant them peace. Mm. Um, but you know, during those days, uh, there's. Literally everywhere in the news, that's all you could see. That's all you in the news, social media, that's all you could see. But literally on those same days, there was like another, you know, mm. uh, migrant ship, of yeah. uh, Greece migrants, around five hundred people. Mm. They they disappeared as well. They were lost at sea. Yeah, that shipwreck was yeah a shipwreck. Yeah, yeah we, we're not exactly sure, but you know that they, they lost their lives. Yeah, they lost their lives and. That news story wasn't covered as much as you know, yeah, I mean, and there was yeah, like no like rescue mission in regards to that. Yeah, but um, that, yeah, that's the, yeah. that's the thing, isn't it? How much media can have an influence mm. as well, but obviously, how much there's a you know there's a double standard mm. in terms of uh, oh we we yeah, like sure they're poor yeah, as in you know they were all like billionaires or millionaires. So I think that's why there was a lot of there was like a big push to find them and. Mm big efforts whereas those were just you know migrants from poor migrants from mm. from a different country I mean the, hu- the thing is that a human being is a human being isn't it of course of and, course and uh, for them to that, disregard that's the fundamental them. teachings of Islam right that's to the treat everyone equally love for all hatred for none exactly that's why you know we're still you know in support of uh, uh, of course as we would uh, you know support the families of the, of the loved ones you know there was a young 19 year old boy as well who lost his life you know it was very tragic but uh, you know the there should be equal media coverage of essentially everything then that's going yeah, on right exactly exactly for ev- for everything to yeah. be uh, for everything to be fair isn't it mm. exactly exactly something else which is not fair um here in the here in britain is uh, racism in uh, in cricket Hmm. And uh, I mean, there's a. There's, we actually there's did a. We actually did a, t- a story on this once on on Voice of Islam as well. We covered this topic. It's yeah. quite quite we, an, I mean, interesting uh, one. Th- I mean, there are there are a few cases as well, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Which and uh, you know which people talk about from time to time as well. But racism is actually entrenched mm. in cricket, and women routinely experience sexism and misogyny. Um, within the sport, according to a landmark report, and the, the the sport continues to be um, elitists 
with uh, little to no focus given to addressing class barriers. The Independent Commission for uh, Equity in Cricket, the ICEC, reports holding up a mirror to cricket said that more than 4,000 people responded to the ICEC's call for for evidence hmm. when it was uh, putting the report together. And um, with one in two saying that they had experienced discrimination within the game. Yeah. And I was, uh, you know, there are some stories as well that there's there was, uh, there was there was many children hmm. and uh, who actually wanted to wanted to when they were good in cricket and they wanted to um, exceed further they, were, they actually wanted to become cricketers hmm. but when they were actually scouted and when they were actually you know going to get taken or a place was going to get given to them they were asked you know where which school do you go to hmm. and because they went to a normal school they didn't go to a pri- private school or they didn't go to a grammar school an upper class school yeah they were they were dropped immediately hmm. despite the fact that they were good in cricket so that is you know it, i mean and a lot of stories and a lot of people have actually said related these stories as well which are pretty uh, pretty much similar and uh, it, it, you know it just goes to show that there is still racism in uh, you know in, in sport in cricket especially um, you know, we see racism in football from time to time as well. Hmm. How you know, when people in the stands, uh, in in the crowd, yell racist remarks at you know African African players or hmm. you know black players, um, people of color. We've seen it happening here in the UK. We've seen it happening in Spain in La Liga. We've seen it happening in other places as well. But here, in talking about in cricket. And it must be happening in other sports as well. But this is something which definitely needs to needs to get tackled. Wearing an armband and saying mm. no, no to racism mm. or let's respect everyone. I mean, let's face that's not going to do anything. Mm. There needs to be proper reform as well within the teams. Also, I mean, it's yeah. not just the crowds being racist. Mm. It's not just people in the stra- in the in the in the stands being racist mm. or making racist remarks. It's actually some sometimes. The actual team or the organization hmm. is racist to begin with, right. um, or, or or sexist, hmm. you know, which reports uh, have actually said and suggested as well. So th- there needs to be reform uh, everywhere. Hmm. Definitely, definitely. <coughs> We're going to be taking a short break, and then right after that, we will come back and then we will talk about um, we'll talk about the first segment that we you know that we were going to be talking about. And that is in regards to, as I mentioned before, increased use of AI, artificial intelligence, while working reveals um, disturbing health trends. Is it disturbing you? Are you working with AI a lot or are you not? Um, give us a call, 0208-687-7878. You will get through. Peace be upon you. I'd like to talk about something that I think is quite common. That being feelings of emptiness or a sense of disconnection that doesn't necessarily fall into the medical definition of depression or other pathologies. Although personally, I do think it can be related to conditions like that quite intimately for some people. A lot of people feel an underlying sense of disconnection, which can manifest in many different ways. Feelings of emptiness or loneliness even when we aren't alone. A terrible inability to be alone with our own thoughts. An overwhelming fear of death or feelings of nihilism. This feeling of disconnection has been attributed to a whole myriad of things. The breakdown of the typical nuclear family, isolation from nature and each other, and even growing economic inequality. 
And while I think all of these things might contribute to or exacerbate the situation, my own personal opinion is that the causative reason for our feeling of disconnection is that we've abandoned a key part of what makes us human, our spirituality, our practices of prayer and contemplation, and an understanding that there is a reality that is not accessible to our material, everyday senses, that can only be accessed through spiritual practices, but are nevertheless as essential to us as our physical food is to our bodies. After all, the common thread that links immersion in nature or connection with other people is an attempt to fulfill the need to unify ourselves, or at least to feel intimately connected with something greater, something that is transcendent, essential, unchanging, beautiful, nourishing. Almost every human culture of the past seemed to understand this to some degree or another. So it's actually quite remarkable that our now global culture has by and large abandoned any notion of these ideas or practices as valid. Historically, there are a lot of reasons for this that are maybe for another day. But I will say that we're now feeling the negative consequences of the attitude that stems from dismissive, closed-minded materialism. A lot of people attempt to medicate their internal sense of disconnection with anything that will placate their inner disquiet, anything that can partially replicate the feeling of connection for a short period of time. Such measures often include avoiding being alone, using work, friendships, relationships, sex or even drugs as a kind of stopgap to fill that void. In my personal opinion, while these things might work in the short term, they don't get to the root of the problem. And this means that all of these activities are driven by a need to be made whole, instead of out of a choice to add to an internal state that already feels whole. When the stopgap measures, for whatever reason, are no longer available, the feeling of disconnection returns, often worse than before. So I want to be very clear about what I believe and have experienced is the root cause of all this and what is the attendant cure. In my opinion and personal experience, the ultimate root cause of this is the elimination of spirituality and spiritual practices, especially regular prayer, from human life. The function of prayer is to disconnect from the continuous external stimulus that we receive for a brief time, and to attempt to connect ourselves with the higher power, God or Allah. Indeed, to my mind, the mere fact that human beings feel such constant yet varied inner discomfort when we abandon this practice is proof enough that it's something many are in need of. Some of you watching now will agree or have had similar experiences yourselves. Others are going to be more skeptical. To those who ask specifically how one should pray, the answer is that prayer ultimately is varied and personal. But all effective prayer has, throughout human history, been noted to have some common traits. Namely, that it is addressed directly to God and not through any intermediary, that it is heartfelt as much as is possible, and that it's regular. On this point, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, wrote, He who supplicates with the sincerity of his soul is never truly frustrated. That prosperity which cannot be achieved through riches and authority and health, but which is in the hand of God, and he bestows it in whatever shape he wills, is bestowed through perfect prayer. I'm personally confident that anyone, no matter their past, who engages in this practice persistently, say on a daily basis, even for a few minutes, and keeps an open heart and mind, will find that their internal state and their experience of living changes dramatically for the better. The feelings of disconnection and internal isolation that they may have felt previously morph into the opposite, feelings of peace, harmony, connectedness. To those who are skeptical, or those who are agnostic, I would simply remind them that a truly rational skeptic puts even those ideas and theories that they are most skeptical about to a deliberate and honest test, and that if the purported benefits of a practice are truly that extraordinary, then that at least is evidently worth trying. You may be pleasantly surprised as to what you experience and find. In summary, I'd like to leave you with a few Quranic verses that crystallize what I've spoken about. And when my servants ask thee about me, say I am near, 
I answer the prayer of the supplicant when he prays to me, so they should hearken to me and believe in me that they may follow the right way. Therefore remember me, and I will remember you, and be thankful to me, and do not be ungrateful to me, and seek help with patience and prayer. And this indeed is hard except for the humble in spirit. Aye, it is in the remembrance of Allah that hearts can find comfort. Peace be upon you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to The Breakfast Show. Um, and this part of the show, as I mentioned, as we were talking about as well, uh, we're going to be talking about increased use of AI while working reveals disturbing health trends as well. Something which has actually come up because we're using more AI these days, isn't it? How much mm. is, is advancing and how much uh, or excessive use of it can actually be quite, uh, you know, can actually lead to health trends, maybe. Mm. Yep. Uh, so, you know, it is uh, quite interesting that, you know, there's uh, uh, that AI is coming through. Mm. Uh, AI is getting developed more and more, you know, as we can see with ChatGPT. Yeah. You know, um, last year opened the floodgates to artificial intelligence as people across the globe rush to use chatbot Literally. which can mimic human conversations while some industries ready to incorporate the technology into day-to-day tasks you know mm. you can literally mm. te- you know a lot of students were using it a lot for, of students were using it yeah. uh, to Their write dissertations essays and stuff right? yeah, literally. Uh, but um, they would get caught but you know there's many different workarounds as well that uh, students uh, do, you know, still apply mm. where you can, um, because, you know, there's there's like a thing that will realize that um, if... Yeah. Um, if it's from... If, if it's, it's from, if from, it's like... From generated yeah. from AI or not, yeah. isn't it? And teachers have actually used that as well. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, there's a lot of workarounds where students would use that and then there's another thing which filters or rephrases everything mm, yeah. so it doesn't sound so like you know yeah, robotic yeah, yeah, or something yeah. Yeah. but you know um, I, I think it's it's, uh, it's very yeah, um, it can be used in a good sense as well it can it be can used be. for, can for be, research yeah. you know with everything you know there's drawbacks there's benefits um, yeah so a lot, a lot of stuff is happening in regards to that um, you know Go- Goldman Sachs um, a Goldman Sachs study in March found a generative AI could replace and affect 300 million jobs around the world wow. <clears throat> another study from <clears throat> Challenger Gray and Christmas found AI chatbot ChatGPT could replace at least 4.8 million American jobs University of uh, Georgia Assistant Professor of Management Pak Man Tang also launched a study to investigate artificial intelligence effect on human employees after he worked at a bank that utilizes AI. The study found that employees who work closely alongside AI mm. are lonelier than colleagues who don't use AI and more prone to binge drinking and insomnia. Yeah, so that's that's quite yeah. interesting, isn't it? Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's quite interesting. So we do have online with us, uh, you know, a guest um, uh, for this topic this morning. We have with us uh, Dure Tahir, who is a, psychoth- um, who is a physiotherapist uh, who has worked previously for personal independence payment as a disability analyst and has widely experienced the use of AI in the workplace. Good morning, peace be upon you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and welcome to the breakfast show it's a pleasure to have you on um just to begin with what kind of impact do you think working with ai can have on health um so on health specifically to start with is we need to understand what ai is so just briefly it's not like a um, specific statement we can use to define ai 
So it's kind of an umbrella term that is used to um, describe a wide range of disciplines. And it and these are things that, you know, emulate behaviors that are typically seen only in living things like humans. So we're trying to say that the AI is trying to mimic human beings. And there's research done to show the effect of AI on mental health. And the researches have been done recently in quite a few countries and a few times. The recent ones in Taiwan, Indonesia and Malaysia, even mm. in the United States, has shown that there's an increase in binge drinking, insomnia, which is unable to sleep, a difficulty mm. in sleeping, and an increased loneliness in people that work with AI, yeah. you know, as opposed to those that work with, um, you know, human colleagues. Hmm. Because we all re- we all hear this um, kind of a statement saying humans are social animals, so isolating them with just mere AI systems have shown to you know have damaging effects on their personal lives. Hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Do you think AI is leading to an increase in remote jobs? Um, I would say yes. I mean, recently we we have seen a very high increase in remote work, hmm. and generally speaking, after the lockdown as well. But yeah. the technology has you know a good. It has a good role as well, yeah. playing to you know in, in remote jobs. But uh, we have seen um, people recording statements are saying we can work two to three jobs now because they're remote, and AI is helping us do it in, in maybe quarter of the time. And the work that we need a whole team to do for us, we can do it by ourselves in our in the comfort of our house using AI. So yes, it has increased it. It has given some positive responses, you know, increased efficiency and sustainable environment for them. Saving hmm. costs as well for the organizations for you know not having people coming into work. So yeah, it has um, improved remote work. Yeah, how how can we use it in a in a positive way though? Because surely it's not just um, it's not just bad, isn't it? It's yeah, no. So everything has its good side and its bad side, right? You can go extreme in either way. It's not going to be um, helpful. So there are chat box office sensors when we talk about AI, and so the main thing we will talk we could look at when you're talking about AI is cost saving. So it, it does save mm. a lot of money in, in you know, if we talk about the positive aspects of it. So there are tasks that are repetitive that human beings have to do. AI is helping them do it and, you know, freeing up their time, then also saving money as well. And there are <clears throat> a lot of times there's fraud detection, which is quicker and easier with AI that has shown to, you know, save losses for the companies that are using them. Yeah. And so data informed decisions, so they have more access to data that, you know, accurate and you know leading them to better decisions the same greener offices so using sensors to help with uh, you know optimization of work and the monitors can also help um, you know save resources and you know reduce waste generally speaking there are hazard detection uh, that come under ai surveillance video surveillance security screen so that comes under safety but generally that's what um Again, the remote job as well. So flexibility has increased. That communication. So I, I guess that uh, that's the positive bit of mm. AI. We we spoke about we talked uh, a little bit about this before as well. Um, that excessive use of AI can actually lead to loneliness and some people binge drinking, insomnia as well, sleepless nights. You mentioned that as well. H- how then? H- how is that then? How can we tackle that? Um, so again, human beings need that, you know, interaction. So if we, I mean, take it as a, so it's either it's going to go either way. It's either going to be adaptive or maladaptive. The human beings are either going to want more, um, you know, human interaction. So they will be able to help other human beings more than they would usually do. So that's kind of a bit of a good thing. But then again, the maladaptive one would be the loneliness, like we just mentioned, and binge drinking, sleeping difficulties as well. 
So to, to adapt to that, and there are a lot of measures, you know, there are training courses that companies give there and, you know, there are workers that can show them that, you know, you use the AI, but it's not completely, and not only using AI alone in a company, that's a useful thing to do. So still keeping that human interaction, not completely canceling out um, human beings at work, that is a way to, you know, and then again, we have counseling as well that mm -hmm. helps you, you know, with your insomnia and loneliness as well. Absolutely. Um, talking about a little bit about the about the future, wh what do you think? Sort of. I mean, right now we're sort of getting into artificial intelligence and g getting accustomed to it as well. What do you think the future holds? Maybe you know, a decade from now, or maybe you know, more or less. What do you think uh, the world would look like with this advancement mm -hmm. the um, technology? It's still a new thing. I know research has, you know, a lot has been done, but it's still a new kind of concept for us. Mm. Um, as long as it's used in, you know, the positive way that we've already spoken about, it should bring about you know, good changes. But again, like even Hazur has mentioned, and we know as well, if we read our Jamaat articles as well, overuse of it can be harmful, mm. can lead to, you know, it can have adverse effects. We're seeing these days that because it, there's the option of, you know, um, having on Snapchat, they're showing that, you know, there's a research again that has been done and teenagers are going way towards it instead of, you know, seeking official medical attention. So yeah, yeah it can have those effects. But if used by, you know, the right people, safe hands, it should lead us to... Um, Good effects and good results at the end. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Maintaining maintaining that balance is uh, is okay. key. Nur Tahir, thank you so much uh, for joining us this morning. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Assalamualaikum, peace be upon you. Okay. Now, um, she mentioned uh, Huzur, you know, Huzur being um, the 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 current head of the mm. Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the fifth caliph to the Promised Messiah, His Holiness the Hazrat Mirza Masoor Ahmad Mirlabi, his mm. helper. And uh, somebody asked uh, him a question uh, in regards to this. So we'll, we'll play that a little mm. bit later on as well. Um, and that's going to be talking about <clears throat> as the rise of technology sort of influences our lives, mm. what's His Holiness's guidance in regards to the study of technology, you know, technological advancements? Yeah. That ha how, how can they help the community? How can they serve mankind? We'll mm. play that in just a bit, in just a bit as well. But uh, it's it's important, isn't it, that we maintain that balance. We don't overly rely on uh, on on artificial intelligence as well. But you know, there are some positives as well. There are some good things as well, such as even if you go to a supermarket, right, mm. and you do a self checkout, that's mm. you know that's artificial intelligence as well. I mean, mm. that's taking uh, a person's job mm. sort of away, but yeah. sort of in a positive way uh, as well. Mm. Um, you know where where you know, people can actually have you know can actually just go into the shop. Mm. You don't have to interact with anyone. You can just buy whatever you want. <laughs> that's where the learning comes, that's where the learning <laughs> comes in. But but still, but still, you know. Yeah. No, it's very um, convenient. You know, especially if you only have a few it's items. Uh, but you know, for elderly people, people who are not familiar with technology, yeah. Or just don't like it. I guess the cashiers, you know, they're I guess. helpful. They're, yeah, they're I guess, helpful. I guess. Especially if you have a lot of uh, groceries as well, you yeah. can't scan all of them at the self checkout. Right? Yeah, That's and if you have cash as well, yeah, so. if you have cash as and well, and you, like you mentioned, like elderly people, they, mm. you know, they they do tend to have more cash, isn't it? Yeah, the younger generation, you know, they don't. Uh, know this what uh, self checkouts is. take take cash as well. 
yeah but it's, it's, but obviously it's co- most of them are card yeah if you just cash mm. it probably just be like one or two of them mm. will take accept cash yeah. the rest of them will just be card payments mm. um but it's it's not just in 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 supermarkets mm. i've seen self checkouts in um in retail shops as well mm. as just clothing shops even if you go like yeah. McDonald's or KFC, they have those <coughs> smart screens where you can order and yeah, you just can pick order. up your order, right? Literally, yeah. yeah. You don't so have to go to the till anymore. You don't have to go like, to the till oh, anymore. I want this. I want this. Yeah, I mean, there's positives and negatives uh, yeah. to that as well. But uh, you know, it's um, if it's used in a, in a positive way, mm. then then you know why? Well, why not? Why not? Yeah. But you know, like like you know, we were talking about this before as well. Mm. Chatbots and mm. the ChatGPT and various. Um, Search engines like mm. that, uh, it can be used for for a positive thing as well. It's not yeah. just all bad. Yeah, yeah. If you definitely. want an article or something that you literally don't know anything about, mm. you can just you know literally tell mm. it to give you an article, mm. give you some bullet points, and it will give you you know straight up solid bullet points. Yeah. And I've seen it. I've seen it. I haven't mm. got it. I haven't got it myself. I haven't signed mm. up to it because you have to yeah. put your email in mm. as well, isn't it? Yeah, I've, I've used it. It's, it's, it's really you know it's really interesting. It's, it is it's interesting kind of fun isn't as well. It? Um, also, you know, there's AI on uh, like Photoshop and uh, those mm. editing softwares. Yeah, yeah. For example, on Photoshop, there's AI that you get a picture, mm. right? And then like you draw like a square around it and you te- tell it to expand. Mm. And it will literally expand, fill out, like make the picture bigger mm. and just fill it out accordingly to what you like the human brain can't even uh, like, you know, can't even think about it. But yeah. then when you see the picture, it looks like it's part of the picture. Right. It'll just expand the picture, yeah. but just fill it in with details, fill it in and with it looks details. very realistic. It looks legit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that—that's the scare as well, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, for, for, for fine if you're just making an edit or whatever, mm. then yeah, fine. But if you're sort of uh, making someone wear a puffy jacket or something yeah. like that, yeah. I mean, especially religious figures or mm. people who are. Up there. Yeah, there's a lot of like you know those yeah. uh, memes or those uh, you know uh, <laughs> yeah. those funny pictures out there on the internet as well. And I think you know uh, I don't. You know need to draw the lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might be uh, our listeners may be aware of the movie um, uh, animated uh, movie for children, w- uh, Wally, right? Um, yeah. In that you know where the state of the humans is like literally they're on. They're essentially like disabled because of how obese they are, how overweight they are, yeah. and they're in like flying wheelchairs, right? Yeah, literally. And everything's handed to them, and they're just like drinking from straws and eating, and that's all and they do. Literally, literally, just all lay around all day. Yeah. Because of technology, everything's there in front of them. A lot of screens, and mm. you know, we see these in movies and uh, you know adaptations and stuff. That that's mm. where the world is headed, and apparently, this is the utopia, right? The future, the you know the. The he- heaven, you could say, mm. where technology has advanced so much that that's where where we could. I mean, be you've headed. seen iRobot as well. I mean, yeah, similar, iRobot, similar yeah. sort of similar concept, concept yeah. Uh, as well. But so, dear listeners, yeah. uh, you know, we hope you have been enjoying today's show so far. We're taking a very short news break, and then do join us after the break.
Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Welcome back to the to the breakfast show. Now talking about the dangers of uh, excessive social media and artificial intelligence. Um, Islam ha- has always encouraged its followers to seek knowledge. We could also use technology to increase our knowledge or awareness. Now the Holy Quran believes that. Um, only those of Allah's servants have knowledge fear him. This is from chapter 35, verse 28. He who claims to have been appointed to spiritual office cannot make good his his claim unless he can show that he himself possesses such knowledge in abundance and that God, God himself imparts this knowledge to him and guides him in its acquisition. Now we can draw on the criterion of spiritual knowledge and we can see how far God endowed him with uh, with such knowledge as well. We can understand that God Almighty has given us this knowledge. He has given us the ability to seek knowledge. He's given us um, the way. He's taught us to pray. He's taught us the way to pray to seek knowledge as well. Oh my Lord, increase me in knowledge as mentioned in the Holy Quran as well. But obviously with all of these um, technological advancements, there are there are positives and negatives as we've discussed uh, earlier on as well. Now, to maintain that, to make that a balance, to keep that balance intact is something which is uh, which is vital. Because if we rely too much on uh, on artificial intelligence or for things to be done for us and we, at a click of a button, we can literally do anything. Um, we can we can order we can order food, we can order takeout, we can uh, turn the TV on. We can do this. We can do that. We can, you know, people have access to 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 nuclear bombs at a click of a bu- at a click of a button. Um. So there's so much that we can do with ease, and if we go down the, the this path and forget about socially interacting with other people, meeting other people, how are we going to fulfill the rights of mankind? So this is why Islam actually comes in to draw the line, draw the middle line of where we need to be. We need to fulfill the rights of God. We need to fulfill the rights of mankind. If we are staying away from people, if we are not engaging with people, not meeting people, especially our family members, our friends, our neighbors, our colleagues, if we're not meeting them in person, how will we how will we be able to fulfill their rights as well? Um so that's the thing. Artificial artificial intelligence can be used for good, but excessive use of it may actually be be harmful as well. Um, in 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 support of scientific research that brings benefit to mankind, um, we can definitely you know we can definitely use that. And the Promised Messiah, upon whom be peace, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he has actually taught taught us the same the same thing as well. Um, rather. They're looking at technology to answer profound philosophical questions. We should use it to bring knowledge to our fingertips through, you know, uh, rapid research. And this is what it's good at. This is what artificial intelligence is actually good at: bringing rapid research and uh, in front of our eyes, so that we can screw, so that we, you know, on our screen, so that we can read it, we can go through it. And uh, this is a, a good way in which um, artificial intelligence can be used. But to to ask artificial intelligence um, 
philosophical questions or such as you know insightful or meaningful questions um in regards to religion in regards to psychology in regards to philosophy it might not always give the right answer because it's not a human being artificial intelligence has only that access or access to that data or that spectrum of data what it has been fed whatever you give data whatever you feed data to artificial intelligence to that search engine or whatever that is what it can portray it doesn't have a mind to think on its own so that's what needs to be understood as well um as i mentioned before uh, we had a, a a brief audio clip that will actually that actually answers a question somebody asked his holiness the worldwide head of the ahmadiyya muslim community hazrat mirza masrur ahmad may allah be his helper in regards to the current situation this is talking about the pandemic actually but because it actually comes in line with what we're talking about today that's why i'm going to play it that we've seen a rise of technolo- technology greatly influence our lives what is his holiness's guidance in regards to the study of technological advancements and how can this help and assist the community and also serve mankind uh, at a greater role as well let's listen to what his holiness said allah has asked you that you can do research and excel in it right and allah taala will help you he will reward you for your research and if you are praying to allah taala then it will help you at the same time as i have already said and this technological advancement is for the benefit of a human being as long as it is beneficial for a human being you should get benefit out of it but where it is being used to destroy the humanity and polluting the minds of the people as in internet and facebook and instagram and so many things then in a true believer a mu'min an ahmadi muslim should avoid these things right so as long as this technological advancement is beneficial for human being we must use it we have to use it this is for our benefit and it is allah's help to us and it is it is you see we we have to be uh, we show gratitude to allah taala that he has given us such a advancement but when they are being used for polluting our minds then you should avoid them and say astaghfar avoid them okay that's the thing isn't it that's where that's where we can draw the balance as well draw mm. the line uh, where can we use artificial intelligence where can we use these technological advancements if they are benefiting mankind if they are serving mankind in a positive way then yes by all means let's let's go for it let's advance in this but if it's polluting our minds if we're becoming lazy because of it if it's taking over taking over our livelihood um then you know there is somewhere we need to draw the line somewhere uh, as well especially when it comes to you know we're talking about artificial intelligence in terms of uh, research but mm. when it comes to you know um artificially making a video mm. artificially making or editing a, a an image mm. of someone you know someone that that you hold dear to your heart yeah. or st- making a video 
you know, a really silly video about something. Hmm. I mean, there's, I mean, there's jokes aside. I mean, hmm. if you if you're doing it as a joke with your friends, hmm. that's one thing. But if you're doing it, if you're using it for you know to to try to diminish a religious leader or something hmm. like that, then that's you know that's people hurting people's. Uh, Emotions and playing with people's sentiments, mm. and then the freedom of speech question actually comes into this as mm. well. Um, how much freedom of speech do you have? Can you express your um, your thoughts as well in in regards to this? Mm. So that you know, this is these are questions where we need to where we need to draw the line. And this is what Islam says as well. What His Holiness was saying as well that we need to draw the draw the line. We need to there needs to be a balance uh, in regards to this uh, as well, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Um, and you know, in, in in regards to this, you know, rather than looking at technology mm. to answer profound philosophical questions, we should use it to bring knowledge to our fingertips through digitization and rapid search. Right. In this way, AI and the wider world of technology can help support our religious endeavors yeah. rather than try to define them. We must embrace and master technology, and then go on to develop more beneficial ways to use it. Hmm. This will prove crucial to the development and growth of the Muslims, and it is definitely critical for the establishment of a Muslim state. Hmm. You know, nowadays um, you get asked a question, you're in a debate, it will take you literally what a few seconds. You pull up the answer on your phone. Yeah. You know, that's the advancement of technology. That is essentially AI. You could, you know, you could ask Google, you could ask Siri, and mm. they'll tell you the answer, yeah. right? You can ask Bing, uh, uh, Bing, you know, Bing, Bing, what's it called? I think yeah. it's called Bing, yeah. Bing. The Google and you know, that's, uh, they, uh, Microsoft <coughs> made ChatGPT, mm. and they've like, uh, right. they have or they plan to, you know, um, merge it with Bing. Mm. But no one really uses it, you know, but like, yeah. And I, yeah, a lot, I a lot of people do, but... Um, it's I, not mean, really I mean, you've got so thing, many. Yeah. You, I mean, we, we, artificial intelligence is not mm. something that just came out now. Yeah, we've had it for quite a bit. Quite I mean, a bit quite, yeah. You know, such mm. as in, on our smartphones, Siri mm. or Alexa, or whatever. If you have mm. Amazon, mm. or if you have uh, you know the, an Android phone or whatever, yeah. you have these different things as well, Bixby and all of that. Mm. But but sometimes it's a bit it's a bit worrying or scary as well mm. at times because. They're always listening. Then they're always listening. they're always listening. Yeah. And if it has a camera, they're always watching. Yeah. Even definitely. if it's off, you, th- mm. you may think that it's off, mm. but it, you know it's not. It's not. And you know, people at the back, mm. they can tap into it. Yeah. They can look into definitely. it. They can definitely. listen to it. They can watch whatever you're doing. And that's a scare as well, isn't it? That's the mm. scare about these technological advancements. So you're never you're never too you're never too sure. That's um, how you know we need to heed the warnings of. Um, his Holiness, yes, uh, the current Caliph of the Indian Muslim um, community, and you know, follow in those, um, follow those words, uh, you know, to to the letter, to the to the letter, to uh, properly, you know, gain the benefits, reap the benefits from this as well, mm. as well as you know, stay away from the dangers. Stay away from uh, exactly, yeah. exactly, and we're gonna continue. We're gonna sort of uh, move into a a a sort of. A subtopic mm. uh, as well. After after a quick uh, after a quick uh, break, we're going to be talking about what can we expect from science uh, in this year as well. Um, it is quite interesting uh, that we you know what we're going to be talking about. So do stay, do stay tuned. I'll be back after uh, after a, a short break. A new station, the Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion, and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the voice of Islam. We live in the age of buttons. 
where a single button can order us a takeaway or signal the beginning of a nuclear war. At a time when the fabric of our society is ever-changing and ever-tearing, where nations are remodeled overnight and billions of dollars are lost in an instant, we are no doubt standing at a pit of uncertainty. With global suicide rates ever increasing and the threat of a third world war ever looming, our eyes strain for a solution to this epidemic of unrest. But one voice has spoken out in the darkness, addressing the global public and leaders of the world time and time again. A voice of reason, logic and the overwhelming power of truth. This voice, a beacon of light, exists in the visionary of this age. His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmed, Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the global spiritual leader and guide for tens of millions of Muslims around the world. If we are to leave behind a legacy of hope for our children and bequeath a peaceful world to our future generations, we, irrespective of our religion or beliefs, need to urgently change our priorities. Instead of being consumed by materialism and a desire for power, every nation, whether rich or poor, must prioritize the peace and security of the entire world above all else. Instead of embarking on an arms race leading to death and destruction, we must join the race to save and protect humanity. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome back to the breakfast show. Um, we're talking about um, artificial intelligence, technological advancements, and what can we expect from uh, from science as well um, this year as well. As mentioned uh, before, before hmm. the European Space Agency, Agency, the ESA, is planning to launch the um, space telescope for the purpose of exploring the evolution hmm. of the of the universe. Now, this uh, this telescope will actually um, create a three D map of the universe while orbiting the sun for for many years. That's that's quite that's, interesting. That's, that's, that's quite interesting. interesting yeah. Because uh, you know, I, I mentioned this before as well in the beginning, right in the beginning of the show, that we we do have images, hmm. we do have um, different uh, videos hmm. um, of uh, what space looks like, yeah. but one begins to question um, how you know sort of legit mm. they are. I'm not saying I'm not implying that they're fake. I'm not implying that they, you know, that they have been forged in mm. any sort of way. But the thing is, is that we do have quite a lot of. We have progressed in technology to a level that we, we, we you know, we have artificial intelligence. Mm. <laughs> we, were, we were just talking about that as well. We have got. We're living in a world where a lot of We'll be living at it in a time where a lot of the 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 you know the Hollywood films mm. they rely on CGI, they rely on green screens, they rely yeah. on these things. So we can literally make something look mm. like or appear to be real, yeah, right? Yeah, and definitely. to to the naked eye, I mean, or for 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 us that obviously we haven't, no one has seen space for real. Mm. I mean, scientists who go you know astronauts, go up, astronauts yeah. who go up into mm. space, fine, they've seen it, but. Mm. We haven't, so for them to you know, sort of make something or make an image like that, like like the moon landing. I, I'm not saying that mm. the moon landing was fake or anything. Mm. I mean, that's for you but guys to decide. Yeah, but it could be. You know what I'm saying, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's, you know, a lot of conspiracy theories say it could be. Yeah. But uh, you know, we're not 100 percent sure about mm. that. 
this is why it's interesting if, yeah. if if they've got if they've got if there's sort of if there is a telescope mm. that can orbit the mm. you know, so the Milky Way or mm. the orbit around the Sun for mm. many years and have a 3D image mm. of what it looks like that's mm. you know that's quite interesting stuff yeah. that we you know that, that we can actually look forward to uh, as well so we do have online with us uh, our guest for this topic this morning we have professor brad gibson online with us uh, an aussie canadian transplant uh, brad is the head of uh, physics director of research and the director of the ea milne center of astrophysics at the university of hull good morning peace be upon you and welcome to the breakfast show well, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on, Professor. Uh, just to begin with, um, when did you first become interested in, in the fields of science and physics? Uh, it's a great question. I, you know, I grew up in a single-parent home. I was the first generation to go to university, so the inspiration wasn't maybe local. Yeah. Um, so I think back on it, and I think when I was six, seven, eight years old, it was probably watching Star Trek. Hmm. That was probably the thing that, that you know, it was, it was Mr. Spock, it was uh, Scotty, it was the science, the engineering aspect yeah. of it. And I think, I think that's what fueled the, the, the interest. And then around the same time, I, I guess it was my, back in Canada, grade four, you know, the equivalent of year four, I was probably nine years old. Hmm. Uh, that was, I had a teacher who was just instilled this incredible passion for learning, not necessarily about science, but just learning and, and education and allowed me to to really apply that love of learning to to sort of science and space science in particular. So I'm hugely thankful for the role that she played in hmm. steering me on this path. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's really mm. interesting. Um, what are some of your, you know, many research interests and discoveries? Uh you know, when I started doing research back back in a long time ago, back in Canada, uh, I had a lot of you know advice from senior mentors who who said, you know, choose a, a topic and maybe a small topic, but make yourself the the leader in that one particular subtopic, and then mm. you will be the person that they always turn to. Now. I could have done that, but I admit my attention span probably is such that I would have gotten bored very quickly with that. So mm. I decided to be adopt more of a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none philosophy, if I to be flippant about it. Yeah. So I, it's much more about evolving and, and changing. You know, I, I do have interest for a number of years that I'm passionate about, but you know, things wax and wane, and so I, that's part of what I like about science is that it has afforded me the opportunity to move in slightly different directions. I started off in development of instrumentation. I moved into theory, did some observational work on how galaxies form and evolve, mm. and, and now do a lot of things with high-performance computing, supercomputing, to do you know incredible representations of our universe inside the computer. So I have moved around a little bit, but mm. you know it's worked for me, and I think the reason why I've been successful, if you want to call it that, has been, you know, I've I've had the opportunity to work alongside some amazing students along the way. Yeah, we've had some discoveries, you know, the expansion rate of the universe, the locations of inside our galaxy most likely to harbor complex biological life, hmm. the world's first liquid mirror telescope, world's largest computer simulation. But I'll just end on this. You know, those are sort of the big ticket things. Yeah. And for me, though, and I hope for most people, science is not really defined just by kind of the high-impact, high-profile discoveries. Because for every one of those, there's hundreds of smaller advances, baby steps that have to be taken to reach those, you know, those high-profile level of things. Hmm. And I, you know, looking back now, you know, 500 papers later that I publish, you know, I take absolutely hand on heart as much pride in those small steps 
that I had to do along the way as to any of those big, high-impact, high-profile ones, even though those mm. are the ones that get the attention, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. You do. You know, we're looking at your uh, resume. It's quite an extensive resume. You know, you've done quite a lot of things in your in your time. Um, you, you mentioned about, you know, life uh, within like uh, different galaxies or within our yep. galaxy. Do you think there could be intelligent or non-intelligent like life present? Yes, uh, look, it's it's the question everyone on Earth wants to know the answer to, right? It doesn't yeah. matter if you have a love of science or don't have a love of science. Hmm. Everyone has thought about this at some yeah. point in time. And uh, look... I think, you know, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, or even when I was a kid, yeah, I would have said absolutely, 100%. Mm. You know, I grew up on Star Trek. I love science fiction, still yeah. do today. And, um, but, you know, as time has gone by and if, if people have worked very hard to explore the galaxy as best we can from our little corner of it, mm. um, and you just look at, you know, the challenges that life faces to, mm. to take root anywhere and to evolve and develop, Yes, I do think that there is life out there. Hmm. Uh, we haven't found it. You know, 50 years of hard looking, we've yeah. not found any of it yet. And despite what UFOlogists may tell you, we've not found any <laughs> evidence yet. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm. Let's say I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm not. Hmm. You know, I'm not as 100% for certain sure as I was 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, but still cautiously optimistic and desperately hope that that is the case. Hmm. I don't think we're going to find that. You know, advanced complex life during my lifetime. But I'm hopeful that maybe we'll be able to, you know, discover you know, some microbial life on some, you know, even out of you know one of the moons of Jupiter or Saturn or. Maybe we'll find through studying the atmospheres of distant planets some, hmm. you know, indirect evidence of some sort of biosignature of life on that planet. It may not be, you know, it may be plant life. It may not be animal life. But I'm so I'm cautiously hopeful we'll see that in my lifetime. Yeah. But I'm a little bit more cautious about it now than I was in the past. <laughs> hmm, definitely. Um, what are some of the scientific uh, developments that we can expect in in this year and you know in the next few decades? A good, it's a great question. Look, it's going to be biased because I'm a space scientist, yeah. so I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on, <laughs> on some of these things. And it follows on from what we were just talking mm, about, about yeah, you know, is there yeah. life out there? You know, one of the, the really exciting missions uh, launched, what, two months ago is this uh, Jupiter Icy Moons Explorer. It's called mm. JUICE. Yeah. Uh, and it's super exciting in that it's, it is, this is what its job is. It's to search for evidence of extraterrestrial life. It's not going to be, you know, these complex highly intelligent life, if you want to call it that. Mm. But they're heading to Ju the, the icy moons of Jupiter, like Europa, which are yeah. gigantic ice balls, 200 mile thick layer of ice, and underneath that is really salty water. And every once in a while, while the ice cracks, water mm. comes shooting up like a geyser. And the hope is that maybe, you know, the conditions are not crazy for the, maybe the development of some sort of bacterial microbial life. It's not going to be Aquaman or piranhas living underneath <laughs> that. But, you know, there's a chance maybe. And, uh, you know, the, the, even just the discovery of that, that, you know, even that microbial life may have developed uh, on, you know, under the ice of these moons, that would be, you know, one of the biggest discoveries of all time. But that's, we're looking, you know, that's ten, seven to eight years from now, but the launch was successful. Yeah. Closer to home in September, there's another mission NASA had called OSIRIS-REx. It flew a few years ago to an asteroid called Bennu. And it landed, it grabbed a whole bunch of stuff from the surface, and it's flying its way back now. 
So it's going to be the first time one of these, so this is an asteroid that's been untouched since the formation of the solar system. We're going to dig through the material that this mission returns, looking for organic molecules and amino acids, kind of the building blocks, the ingredients of life. And it will really provide real clues about the formation of life. So we've been waiting for years for this satellite to slowly make its way back to Earth. So September, we'll see that. And I'll end with two, two quick ones on hmm. the space science side. Um, Saturday, uh, this Saturday, sees the launch of the Euclid mission that the European Space yeah. Agency in the UK is involved with. This is a six-year experiment aimed at uncovering the secrets of dark matter, dark energy. Mm. We've been waiting for you know, 20 years. This one's been in the making, mm. and the launch comes on Saturday. Uh, if you're interested in you know, the, the origins and the, the evolution of our universe, what its composition is, what is yeah. all of this dark matter, dark energy, this is the mission that we've got all of our fingers and toes crossed for for a successful launch on Saturday. Yeah. And for those, you know, uh, it, it, tomorrow, um, timing, if we, if we were talking in sort of 18 hours from now, I'd be able to talk about this, but tomorrow evening, there's two live press conferences being streamed around the world from two, two different groups, one at 6 p.m. UK time, one at 7 p.m. UK time. Hmm. These are both going to be announcing spectacular advances in the study of the mysterious gravitational waves hmm. and equally mysterious and ethereal neutrinos, these particles that fly through our body, 100 trillion, every second we're talking, 100 trillion fly through our body. Yeah. These neutrinos, with the, the, the mystery of these neutrinos, where they come from, hmm. is something that's driven science and many Nobel Prizes for the last 50, 60 years or so. Hmm. But there's two exciting, and unfortunately, despite being close to both groups, I don't actually know what the news is going to be. But yeah. uh, 6 p.m., 7 p.m. tomorrow, exciting announcements coming. So uh, some of those things that I've talked about are longer term, you know, hmm. 10 years from now, some of them are immediate exciting things that we're going to see in the next couple of days. So yeah, uh, that's, that's really exciting, yeah, <laughs> definitely. And, you know, um, in terms of uh, life as well, we've explored, like, if we were to say the universe is as vast as our oceans, we've probably explored not even, like, half a glass of water, right? So yeah. th most definitely there is, you know, the likelihood of life being out there is very big. Gotta be. I, I sure do hope. So. The yeah. problem is, other galaxies are so far away. We'll never be able to communicate yeah. with them. But just finding some sort of evidence that there's mm. something out there, ah, that would just change our whole, you know, perspective on Definitely. ourselves as, as humans. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> professor, what, what else do you hope to achieve um, professionally, uh, professionally then in, in the future? Ah, uh, look, it's a, it's a good question. You know, my career has evolved from, you know. Uh, being you know, a student through to uh, being really focused on my own research, some of which I described earlier, and, and you know, trying to get secure the next big grant, and, um, and then moved a little bit more into education. And now, over the last few years, it's become increasingly important that I focus on sort of a recruitment and education. And I think the, you know, my, for my own research, I talked about neutrino physics. Yeah, I, I'm, I've, I've got a really growing interest in that and in trying to answer this question about the mysteries of neutrinos. So I'm going to be working in that. But I'm also trying to find more cross-disciplinary links. So I've got some, some interesting things on the go between the space sciences, the marine sciences, and psychology and how we interpret, you know, these massive data sets that are coming from marine science and space science. But if I was to pick the one thing, you know, if I look over the next few years, you know, I've put a lot of time and effort into, you know, widening participation, improving diversity across the physical sciences, and it's a, a really a big part of what I do. So if I look back in five years' time, it's really continuing on this mission to try to excite that next generation of scientists through engaging with schools and the public 
improving diversity across the, you know, the entire spectrum of, of diversity. That's what really fuels my passion right now. And I think at this point in time, it's probably the most important thing that uh, I, can, I can work on. Well, very, very interesting stuff uh, as well. Professor, Professor Gibson, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Quite, uh, very, very you. exciting. Thank you. It was great to talk with you guys. Yeah. Very much so. Right. Thank you. That was Professor Brad Gibson and some, yeah. uh, you know, really very interesting stuff that's happening, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, in uh, regards to, especially in regards to, you know, space exploration and uh, mm. what the future entails. And, you know, on Saturday, that uh, is going into space, the, the Euclid um, Space Telescope that we were speaking yeah. about earlier as well. Mm. The launch of that is going to be happening this Saturday. Um, we do have a brief audio clip of His Holiness. Um, so let's let's listen to that one. In many verses of the Holy Quran, including those just recited, Allah the Almighty has mentioned the creation of the heavens and the earth, and He has instructed us to reflect upon the true purpose of our creation. He has encouraged us to use our brains and to ponder upon His creation and to search for new roads of human progress and innovation through research and reflection. Indeed, Allah the Almighty has deemed humans as the best of creation because of the fact that we have been granted intelligence and understanding. We have been granted the ability to differentiate between right and wrong. We have been given the ability to think and comprehend. Unique amongst us, uh, unique amongst all creation, Allah the Almighty has given mankind the insight to appreciate that whatever he has created has been made for our benefits, uh, benefit on condition that we use it in the right way. Certainly, out of all the heavenly scriptures, the Holy Quran is unique in terms of the vast amount of insight in his given uh, it, uh, um, insight it has given about the universe and its inception and how it has encouraged scientific research and the pursuit of knowledge. That was His Holiness, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, the fifth caliph of the Promised Messiah, upon whom be peace, uh, addressing the Ahmadiyya Muslim Research Association Conference in 2019 as well. Um, so it is quite interesting, uh, different things, technologies, uh, technological advancements that we that we are going through as well, and also scientific um, discoveries, and also what we can expect um, in the near future. Hmm. Um, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a close future, and also in the quite distant future as well. As Professor uh, Gibson uh, spoke about, uh, yeah, spoke about as well. Definitely, and. Uh, <coughs> His Holiness, uh, the current head of the Ahmadi Muslim uh, community, says that uh, certainly the Holy Quran does not shy away from science or discourage its followers from study. 
Quite the opposite. The Holy Quran instructs believers to explore, to investigate, and to utilize their intellect and God-given faculties. Mm. Indeed, those who strive to advance human knowledge for the benefit of humanity will reap the rewards of Allah the Almighty for their efforts. Right. The Holy Quran emphasizes the superiority of the uh, alim, the man who possesses knowledge and insight, asking how can those not possessing these attributes ever be equals of those who do. 750 verses of the Holy Quran, almost one-eighth of the book, exhort believers to study nature, to reflect and make the best use of reason in their search for the ultimate and to make the acquiring of knowledge and scientific comprehension part of the community's life. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, emphasized that the quest for knowledge and sciences is obligatory upon every Muslim man and woman. Mm. He enjoined his followers to seek knowledge even if they had to travel to China in its search. Here clearly he had a scient- here clearly he had scientific rather than religious knowledge in mind, as well as uh, an emphasis on the internationalism of the scientific quest. It's important, isn't it? That yeah, we, it really is. That we, that we, that we seek knowledge, uh, further in knowledge. So, I mean, there's another saying of the Holy Prophet, peace mm. and blessings of Allah be upon him, where he said that, you know, you seek knowledge from the from the cradle to the grave. Yeah. In other words, keep on mm. seeking knowledge as well. And wherever you find knowledge or mm. wherever you find wisdom, that is the lost property of a believer. Definitely. So wherever he finds that, whether it's from, mm. a, from a young person, whether it's from someone younger than you, mm. Uh, wherever he finds it, he has more right to it. Hmm. So you know, it's, uh, it's it's important that we seek knowledge, but also um, apply this knowledge into yeah. our livelihoods as well. Not just you know seek that knowledge and then become um, become arrogant that oh I know this and you don't know anything about this or you're you're this you're that you're small you're ignorant. Um, even <coughs> the promised Messiah upon whom be peace has hmm. actually said that when you when you seek knowledge, that's a that's a duty of every of every Muslim, but yeah. Don't don't you know? Don't make that a means to 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 you know belittle mm. uh, other people as well, or mm. to to humiliate other people just because yeah. they can't say or pronounce this word correctly, or and you know mm. just because they they're ignorant in this as well. But that's you know that these are the teachings uh, of Islam. Mm. Uh, it teaches us balance. It teaches mm. us to strive in knowledge as well. Yeah. And uh, you know we're coming towards the the conclusion or the the, the last part of the show. As well, the the, the news is uh, looming. Thank mm. you uh, so much for all the guests who took time out and spoke to us. Um, Akib Ahmed in the the technical department, and also the present the the re, uh, the researchers and also the uh, the producers. Thank you to them and uh, Atar. Thank you so much for for presenting alongside myself. Until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa